Well, man, glory to God. I'm so excited uh, for today, and I'm excited that all you guys are here with us today um, to be able to hear Ray. But um, I met Ray, I think, 2014 or 2015, late 2014, first on the phone. And um, we just talked the gospel and uh, shared uh, our faith with each other. And I just want to say what an encouragement um, his life is to me. And his life is a living epistle. Him and his wife, their life is a living epistle. And even little Macy, you know, it's like the, the sign of resurrection and what resurrection life is about. And so when I see this guy, when I talk to this guy, I can just see the faith of God working in him. And I walk away feeling so encouraged. Um, in, in my own life, in my own walk, in my own relationship with God, his life, their life is like a sign and a wonder, always testifying of the life that overcomes the grave. And so, man, I'm so happy to have him here. I'm so happy to be able to sit and to be ministered to. You guys are going to be greatly ministered to. It's going to be a great blessing. And so, Ray, come on up. I don't want to waste any more of, of your time. Thanks, bro. All right. I turned it on. Is it on? Am I on? All right. Uh, well, man, it's a full house today. That's awesome. It's good to see so many of you. I've met so many of you here in the last several days. We've had an awesome time here in New Orleans and in Slidell and had a chance to, uh, you know, just soak in the city. And so this is my wife, Amy. Go ahead. Wave, everybody. And my daughter, Macy, is in the uh, children's right now. And so uh, is, is the mic on? Do I? Need to do anything different? I'm good. Okay, not as loud as Greg. All right. So, uh, well, man, hey, let's uh, open up in a prayer and let's just. Uh, how many of y'all came from uh, out of town? Raise your hand. Wow, we got several out of towners. So I'll tell you what, Greg has set me free from from the fear of preaching long. So <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and just take my time. Is that okay? And we'll get done when we get done, and we'll just let the Spirit of God move. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this awesome day. Thank you for all the lives and souls that are in this place. And Father, just help me to reveal this story. Help me to tell the journey of what me and my wife have gone through, and help me to just bring it to a place where everybody can get understanding of your power, of your resurrection. And uh, this, this service is all about you. In Jesus' name, everyone said Amen. Yeah, this this story is not about my wife and me and my daughter. This is about a God who came to mankind, who took upon their sin, who crucified that and was raised from the dead. And so my story is just intertwined in that. So I, I will be telling uh, the journey today. But but at the end of the day, this is about a man conquering the grave, sitting at the right hand of the father. And so that's what the foundation of our life is. This is the foundation of what what this uh, what this message is about today but i'm going to open up in john chapter 13 and uh i'll start reading for a few verses and uh since normally i kind of teach a little bit different but today today's been five and a half years since i've preached the message and so you're going to hear what what happened in this five and a half years how come you haven't preached the message in five and a half years for those who don't know i used to be a pastor and i, I used to pastor a, a church and i've been in ministry for over 10 years before that and so there was a lot of ministry and then there's this five and a half year gap. So, and then we're going to get into that. John chapter 13, starting with verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 
And after supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus entered and said to him, What I am doing now you do not understand, but you will after this. We've come into a, a time in Jesus' ministry where he knows this is his last conversation with his disciples. How many know if you're going to have one last conversation with somebody you genuinely love, what's that conversation going to be about? Is it going to be about the weather? Is it going to be about just something in passing? Or is it going to be the most important thing? And so here's Jesus talking to his disciples. And by now, his disciples have witnessed this man turn water into wine, heal the sick. The unclean comes and he makes them clean. He's silenced Pharisees. This guy has walked on water. This guy was transfigured on a mountain and spoke to Moses and Elijah. And his disciples saw that. And not only that, there's story after story. There's, he even raised the guy from the grave, man. Okay. And so how many campfires over those three years that the disciples were with Jesus? How many campfires do you think they had? And he's talking about the father. How many campfires did they sit and talk and he's talking about them? And yet here he is in his very last conversation with his disciples. And he says, you know what? I'm going to start bringing up the most important things because the Bible says he knew that his hour had come and he was about to do something here. And so Jesus begins to explain that he's even going to be betrayed. He's going to be killed. But on the third day, he's going to rise. Now, I don't know about you. If I'm one of his disciples and I've already seen him walk on water, talk to God in heaven on a mountain, and I've seen him raise the dead. How many of you know I'm going to get my welcome back Jesus sign after day three? <laughs> but what happened on the third day? Where were his disciples at? They were scattered. How come after seeing all the signs, wonders, and miracles, yet when he says, hey, I'm going to be back, I'm going to be betrayed, what were they? What was their faith? You want to know? That death had been reigning over mankind for so long that it wasn't, there was not a truth in the world yet that could satisfy the heart that this man could come back from the grave. And what he was about to do, he says, listen, man, you're going to need some help. Okay, because I've been here was three years and trust me, in those campfires, what do you think he's talking about? He's talking about the Father. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. I've come to demonstrate to you the Father, the goodness of the Father. Okay, and so look at right here. I'm going to read a few verses in John chapter 14. And Jesus, in John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, it's all one setting here. And it's real intimate here. And you begin to see the intimacy of his heart. And as, as he's about to head to the cross, it's all coming down to, a, to, to, to this point in history. And so John chapter 16, he tells them, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth. This is what he called them. The Spirit of truth. Now, they had seen the signs, wonders, and miracles, but now he's about to reveal the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of 
truth. You know, sometimes we look at miracles, signs, and wonders and say, man, that's the Holy Ghost. You want to know something? When somebody gets revelation, knowledge of what Jesus and who he is, that's just as much of a move of the Holy Spirit as somebody being healed. When your heart is transformed and you begin to see the layers of who Jesus is, that is just as powerful as a move of God in your life than, than seeing the miraculous. Because that right there will set your heart free for a lifetime. And you can go through different seasons and, and overcome those different seasons. And sometimes, if you think about it, everybody that Jesus uh, healed, they were still facing a bigger problem. Everyone he healed ended up what? They ended up dying. And so physical healing at that time wasn't the solution, but God was going to do something so much greater that it involved physical healing. Okay, so verse 20, uh, 17, he says, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, but watch now, and he will be in you. So at this moment, they're seeing the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus, but they're not indwelled with the Spirit yet. Okay? And so when Jesus is trying to talk to him about the Father, I'm sure he probably had these moments where he's like, man, you just you ain't going to get it. But when the Spirit of God comes, and he comes to live on the inside of you, all of a sudden, here comes the light bulbs. Here comes those moments. Ver, uh, verse John chapter 15, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will do what? Testify of me. So the Spirit of God is going to show you who Jesus is. Remember, he says, what I do now, you don't understand, but you will. And when the Spirit comes, he's going to show you me. John chapter 16, however, when he, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Okay, verse 14, he will glorify me and he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And now after Jesus is talking to his disciples, he goes into this powerful prayer in John chapter 17. And you can summarize it in, in, in this right here. But he says, I do not pray for these alone, but for those who will believe in me through their word. Now he's talking about us. Okay, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Now, how many times during those campfires and they're talking with Jesus that he's trying to explain this to them? You could tell it was just going over their head. And all of a sudden, he's about to pray this prayer. I'm about to do what my mission has is, 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 is called me to do. And Father, as me and you are one, I pray that they may be one with us. He's, Jesus is about to be our high priest and connect God and mankind and there's no longer going to be this gap this separation okay and so what it means he's our high priest is he's 100% the representation of mankind but he's also the representation of who God is he stands on the behalf of humans and mankind but he also stands on the behalf of who God is and so Jesus was our high priest and so many times when we look at the cross, we just we, we, we hear a message about Jesus on Easter or maybe even Christmas. But there's so many layers here that even his disciples were clueless about what was about to take place. And so Jesus being a perfect picture of God, he's also a perfect picture of man. The story of Jesus on the cross is not just the story of God, but we can personalize this. It's your story. 
because he was carrying your sin and he was going to die away your pain and he was going to be resurrected on your behalf. And so when we look at the cross, these are the things that the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to reveal to you. And, and it's one of those deals where as you fellowship with the cross, you then during your life, you start to have moments where you see, man, the cross is so much more than just this guy, just this guy coming to die for me. And no wonder Jesus made references like, I am your daily bread to consume me, drink me. And what he's talking about, believe upon me and all the things that I've done for you. And you're going to begin to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit that through your gospel walk, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to show you what, it's, what this cross, this death, burial and resurrection is all about. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the answer to man's problem right now is a guy being raised out of the grave and seated at the right hand of God. And, and one of my worst times, I was like, how can a guy who was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago be the solution to what I'm going through now? I need something now, okay? And so how you were taught as a child or how your journey in the gospel began can set a huge, uh, you know, in logic that you see God out of. And so for me and, and my journey, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here, but I, I do want to set up a foundation. Uh, my gospel journey began when I was just a child. Some of you maybe the same way. I don't know. Maybe you came from a denominational background, maybe a Catholic background or a Pentecostal background. You can shout and say amen. And uh, so for me, I was, I was a kid, and my mom would come and, and uh, pray with me at night. And for some of you, it started off, uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And so as a kid, I just remember God being somebody who was for me. And I could come to God with anything, any one of my issues, any one of my problems. He was one of those gods that genuinely cared for me. But then, uh, as I got older, my mom, we, we stopped going to church, and there was this gap. And then all of a sudden, I, I got involved in a very uh, legalistic, uh, Pentecostal, spirit-filled uh, church. And when I was only, man, maybe 9, 10 years old, I mean, you know, when you're that age, you can shape somebody's belief system very easy. Okay, and so as a 9 and 10-year-old, I'm hearing messages that, we are to be holy, to be set apart, and we do that by how we dress and the things that we do, the things that we don't do. And so what happens is you start to examine yourself and start to see all the areas where you lack, and now you're trying to fix that in your own ability. And so some of the things were, you know, before service started, you had to go to the prayer room for an hour and weep for an hour and cry and shout to God. And if you didn't do that, you weren't considered uh, spiritual. And so then after that, the messages were designed to bring guilt and condemnation your way that the altars at the end would be full of people coming and asking for forgiveness because, man, that message really, because I, and at the, I didn't want to end up in hell, man. And uh, um, this was very, very uh, damaging to me as a child because I had to make a choice. You're either going to live for God with everything you have and this is what it looks like, or you can go into the world. And I was looking at the world, man, I'm like, man, I have all these friends that you're telling me I have to give up. I had to stop playing sports. Okay, I couldn't wear shorts in public. I had to wear pants. 
Okay, my, my, my sisters were involved. They couldn't wear makeup. They couldn't wear uh, certain things. And all these things were because we were holy, right? And so my, as a child, now it went from Jesus loves me, this I know, to God's watching me. And how many know with that logic, it's hard to approach God when you have issues? Because now you're examining yourself and you're wondering, man, is this guy going to even accept me? And so then I, I came to a place and, and I said, you know what, I can't do this. And uh, I, I, I rejected that. And, uh, you, you know, at, at, at that time, you could say I backslid. That's, that was the word, right? I'm a backslider. And, man, we're, we're going to keep praying for you, but God's going to catch up with you. And so, you know, so that's what I did. I said, I'm, I'm out, man. And I went to go live the dream. No, I'm just kidding. And, uh, hey, <laughs> so I, I, that's when, uh, you know, I got into high school now. And, and, and uh, you know, I, just a typical Texan, man, we like to party and, and drink and have fun and Man, I had friends and just doing some stuff. But you know what's funny is that little uh, voice that came to me when I was a kid, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. So every now and then he'd come and say, hey, how's it going, Ray? And sometimes it was at the worst moments. I'd be hanging out three or four in the morning with my friends, and here comes Jesus saying, man, I love you, man. I think the world of you. And I would feel the presence of God even in those moments. And I would tell my friends, man, I, I got to go home, man. I'll see y'all later. And on my way home, I would just start crying, man. And I missed God. I missed that relationship because something genuine happened when I was a child. The Spirit of God came and lived on the inside of me, but he never left me. He was always there, even in the midst of, of my not knowing. And that's, that's one thing about God. You don't have to have this perfect revelation to at least experience the presence of God because God will find you where you're at and he will grab you by the hand and he will take you on a journey and sometimes that journey is messy and it's yucky but I tell you what he'll get you to the place where he wants you to see everything he's done for you and so here I am and I remember I was about 21 22 years old and I, I had just reached the bottom of, of where I was at and I, I needed a change and I went to a church service and I went to the altar and I rededicated my life. You know, when I was a younger, I rededicated my life so much, man, I thought I ran out of rededication. I said, I'm done, that's it. And so what happened was that was, that was a time where I, uh, I said, I'm, I'm going to get some understanding. And I had a friend give me a book. And uh, this is when now I started to learn about I had authority as a believer. And now I can use my faith to change my life. And now I can uh, team up with the Holy Spirit and I can move mountains and I can have what I say. And now instead of the end of the services where everybody was weeping and crying, now everyone's running, jumping and shouting because now I'm using my faith ahead of time before I see it to rejoice before I have it. That makes sense. <laughs> okay. So I was taught about faith and it was like this. How would you act? if what it was you were believing for, you had it right now. Okay, and so what, what was happening then, well, I would be happy. Okay, so be happy right now. Because faith says I have it now. And so I got into the faith message that I even went to a Bible school. And I went to a Bible college and, and I was heavily into this faith message. So now when I graduate, I'm faith man, okay? And I'd go to the prayer room. You need anything? I'm about to go pray. Let's see. Because if you didn't have faith, I did. And I'm going to use my faith on your behalf. 
And so what happens was I'm going to pray and I'm, we're going to use my anointing to lay hands on you. And everything was about the anointing. Everything was about the gifts of the Spirit and, and doing all that. But, but even, even and, uh, you know, that was where I was at. But there were still some issues that still would, would you, know, you know, God would come and minister to me about. And it was still like, there's still this thing of forgiveness of sins. And we were taught, 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So that was like a daily thing. So I still had this sin-conscious mind. Even though I was, you know, I, I had authority, I'm above the devil, he's under my feet, I'm going to rejoice in the midst of the storm. And so we would use faith to try to overcome the life in this world. And then God was taking me somewhere. And all of a, hurting, uh, all of a sudden, I, I got into the, uh, the grace message. And now grace came in and says, man, you are forgiven of all your sin, uh, past, present, and future. I'm, I'm going to get to where I'm at today. But So when I first got into grace, it was unmerited favor. You get what you don't deserve, okay? And so now it's like, okay, well, man, uh, God was angry, but he got all his anger out on Jesus, and so now all that's left is love for us. Well, thank God. And so, and so, but it, it brought a little bit of freedom. Even, even with that logic, it brought some understanding. And uh, I, then I start to realize, man, this, this journey that I've been on, it's, it's always been one step, one step. And, and it's, uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, I got my new glasses, I don't know if any of you wear glasses, but sometimes they put you, when you go to your exam, they put you in front of this machine and they, they ask you, which, which is better, lens one or lens two? And you pick a lens, right? Well, lens two is better. Okay, lens two or lens three? Uh, three is better. And then lens three, lens four. And what they're doing is they're, they're, they're trying to focus your vision to get you 20-20. And I realized, man, this is kind of similar to my walk with God. Like level, lens one was when I was a kid, you know, and then lens two, it got a little better, and then it kept getting better. And then, can, can you read line four? It's a little blurry, but I, I can make it out. And sometimes where we're at in our logic, you ever had to look at a scripture and try to, eh, I don't understand it, but that's just what it means. And we live by that. And then God's like, man, I'm, I'm going to show you what this scripture actually means. I'm going to make it clear. Lens four is better. And then all of a sudden, man, you walk out of there like, dude, I've never seen this before. And so here I am into the grace message and thinking that I'm, I'm, we're going to change the world. I'm going to preach grace. Everyone's just going to love it. We're going to blow up a church. And you know what I did? I launched a church. And uh, by this time, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get a gathering and we, we have a Bible study. And man, there's a good group of people. And man, we get everybody excited. And I'm preaching grace. And I got connected with some grace people. And I, I go to this conference and I see this uh, man preach that I've never heard before. And I'm sitting there and he starts telling me about God's quality of life. And he tells me that God wants to share this life with you and that you are God's dream. And then he starts to tell me stuff like you cannot understand the gospel outside of a family logic. And he's saying these things and I'm saying, man, this guy right here is talking about God like he genuinely knows him. Like he's telling us his thoughts. Like he's telling us things that God genuinely cares about you and that man was Bertie Britz and he jacked me up he I, 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 he don't even he don't know this yet but he, he jacked me up and uh, man I had questions because here I am I just launched the church we had successful launch you could say man we, uh, we had a lot of things going there was a lot of leadership involved a lot of planning so it was it was a, a very well planned out uh, launch very successful and then two weeks into it Bam, I get, I get hammered with this. 
And that's when I realized not all grace messages are the same. <laughs> and uh, I said, man, I, I got to spend some time with God. And so questions started to come up and, and as I'm studying. And so uh, at the time, Greg Reether, who was the pastor of, uh, he's still there, Healing Grace Church, uh, I was calling him up. This, this guy's a, one of the most passionate guys about God and real, real tender-hearted. And man, he he opened me up. He opened up his his ministry with open arms to me. And and I'm asking questions, man. And I think he got to a place where he says, "You know what? You need to talk to Greg Henry, man, because he likes to talk the scriptures." And so I said, "Man, okay. I think maybe I'm bugging this guy a little bit too much." <laughs> so that's how it started. And so I reached out to Greg Henry, and I said, "Man, I got questions." And we talked on the phone for over an hour the very first time. And that was the first time I think I got off the phone with, with another pastor. And I said, man, this, this guy's my friend. I walked away from that message like, I, I, and I don't know if this is wrong or not, but I just didn't see him as another pastor. I saw this guy as my friend, man. And uh, I, I told my wife, I, I, I met this guy. He's my friend. Like, I know him. Like, I know, I know this guy. We were, we were connected. But everything he told me on the phone, I didn't understand what he's trying to tell me. <laughs> that logic... I could not grasp. It's because I was under this logic and he's trying to get me out of that logic. And, and, and I'm like, but I knew that he was filled with the presence of God. And I knew this was something that I needed to put my roots in and get some understanding because Bertie already jacked me up. And then I realized, man, you know, there's just certain things like now uh, what forgiveness truly is. And I used to preach forgiveness a certain way. And then I realized, man, I'm not even, I'm preaching the fruit. And Greg's coming here preaching what the root of forgiveness is. And I thought Jesus came to do something about this, which was part of it. But man, this, this is where it was at. And then I'm like, sin? Well, man, I thought sin meant this. And like, once again, there's the root of what sin is. And then there's uh, the big one. God's wrath. Man, God's angry with us. And then I realized the domino started to fall. How can a loving God who loved us be so angry with us at the same time, pour out his anger, and then all of a sudden say, okay, I'm not angry no more. And then I put that inside of a family logic. I said, man, if my dad had to kill my sister in order to forgive me, something's wrong with my dad. And then we say God's a just God. He had to punish sin. But an innocent man died. Is it just for an innocent man to die? Jesus was innocent. Why did he have to die? That's not just. And in God, there is no darkness. And all of a sudden, certain things started to just surface up. Man, this guy was able to help me walk through some of those things. And so, man, the, uh, to understand that Jesus was never forsaken, and why he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The journey of, of exploring those things and those truths coming out was massive. Okay, so here I am, just launched a, a, a church. I'm, uh, I'm starting to transition into this logic, starting to teach. And, and uh, we start experiencing some challenges, definitely some people scratching their heads, what's going on. But then just some natural challenges, just losing some key people 
uh, within the first year of launching a church, it's, it's, it, I mean, when you launch a church, it takes a team, it takes people. And so I'm trying to, to juggle all, we were a set up and tear down church. So we would set up, we would tear down and we do that every Sunday. So we had a, a system and a process. And so all these things are going on. And so now we get to the place in my message where I, I want to spend some time because now all of a sudden here comes the darkness. Here comes the tragedy. Here comes all of this starting to cave in. And as, as we're, we're, we're launching this church, we, we experienced some success. But then I started noticing some behavioral changes in my wife. I said, something's not right. And so when I first met my wife back in, in Houston, where I was a, a part of an associate, associate pastor, uh, right before we started dating, she had gotten sick, put into a, uh, put into a hospital. But I never had witnessed her being sick. And so when we started dating, she, she told me what her sickness was. But at that time, I was faith man. So I said, well, you're not going to get sick in my presence. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I was, we're going to use our authority and we're going to conquer this sickness. And we're going to show the devil who's boss, right? And that was my, my logic back then. And so uh, we ended up getting married. And for the first four years of our marriage, she never got sick. We thought this was something that we had overcome. We thought this was something that, okay, and she was on zero meds. And, and uh, all of a sudden, we conquered this. We're good. We used our faith. We conquered this thing. And all of a sudden, I noticed some behavior changes in her. And her ideas that she's coming up to me with just wasn't making quite sense. And it started subtle. And then... A day would go by, and now she's complaining of a headache. I have a really bad headache. I can't go to church today. I'm going to stay in bed. Okay, well, we'll just monitor it. Remember, four years, I think it's something else. And then all of a sudden, uh, her mind starts to speed up. Okay, her thoughts start to speed up. And I'm noticing something's wrong with my wife. She's not all there. And she gets to the place where what she's saying is not making any sense and she has all these great ideas. She wants to go do this. She wants to run for president. She wants to, I mean, you name it. Let's go buy this. Let's go buy that. Let's go do all these things. And I'm like, baby, you're not making no sense. What happened to your logic? It's, 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 what happened to your reasoning? It's not there. And all of a sudden, this, this thing started to creep up. And I realized, I think, I think this is what we talked about. I think she's about to get sick. And I've never dealt with this. And so, long story short, man, this escalates to a point where she's being violent now. And now, there's no, the reasoning is gone. She's full of energy. She hasn't slept in over four days. And I hadn't slept either. I'm like, it's like trying to watch a two-year-old having this tantrum for four days in a row. And three o'clock in the morning, she's outside, she's doing all these things. And I'm like, what's going on? Oh yeah, by the way, I've got this church I've got to run, okay? And so now all of a sudden, it gets to the place where I got to take her to a hospital. And so I take her, and it, that was a challenge in itself. She did not want to get in the car. And man, I took her, I, I called the local hospital up. I said, hey, this is my scenario. I think this is what's happening. Bring her on in, we'll give her a psychiatric evaluation. So I'm thinking, hey man, these guys are going to be uh, an awesome experience. We get there and for 12 hours we stayed in this emergency room and I had to stop her from leaving the, the room because she wanted to get out. And I had to wait for someone to give her a psychi psychiatric evaluation just to tell, tell us, well, we got to transfer to another hospital. So that, I mean, I'm standing in that room for 12 hours and she's just 
lost it. This, she's, she's no longer herself. And uh, so I'm thinking, great, we'll get an we'll uh, ambulance over and we'll transport her and she'll get the help she needs. Two sheriffs walk in the room, put her in a straitjacket, handcuff her, put her in the back of a police car. So that's how we transport them to make sure that nothing happens. So here I am, the love of my life, being through all this for the last four, five days, my heart is ripped out. And I see them take my wife like a criminal and put her in the back of a squad car. And the cop says, I'm, I'm gonna be driving to San Antonio, you can follow me. And, and um, what do you think's going through my heart, man? I mean, it's easy for me to go through something or it's easy for you to go through something in yourself, but when it's somebody you genuinely love and you see them suffering, man, it does something to your heart. And so all of a sudden, man, I, I go to this hospital and, and, and I, we, we admit her and I'm like, okay, finally, she's at the place where she needs, needs to be. And but my, my heart is not at rest. My heart is worried. Fear has gripped my heart. And I'm hoping, how long is my wife gonna be in this hospital? What's this gonna look like? I'm, I'm totally not myself. And so then uh, I, I would call up there and it's like a prison. These aren't hospitals you can just go visit. There's certain set hours and they're like locked doors that you have to go through a process. They pat you down. I mean, this is completely, there's only certain visitation hours. And so, man, this was very challenging for me. And so uh, that very first day I saw her and she's still wild. We, we can't get her to sleep. She's on all these medications and she, her mind was just revved up so much. And I'm just like, oh, I'm, I mean, I've, I've cried. I don't know how many times. I mean, that's my bride, man. That's, my, that's the love of my life right there. And I got a Sunday service coming up. What am I supposed to do? You know, and so I finally had to just push that Sunday, gave it to some one of my staff members and say, y'all preach, I, I am out of it right now. I'm trying to fix this problem, trying to get this going. And what makes matters worse is I would call the nurse at two or three in the morning because I couldn't sleep still. I'm in my room and, and the bed's empty and there's my wife's not there. And I would call the nurse at two or three in the morning and I could hear my wife yelling in the background, angry. And it's like, oh, I would go see her and why'd you put me in here? I'm so mad at you. No, this and this. And it's just like, but you know what? I saw that she had been taken, taken captive by this disease. I was not confusing my wife with the disease. So she could have said anything she wanted, but I knew that that wasn't her. And that's kind of like how God saw man. When man entered into sin and man was acting up, God's like, I know who you are, for I created you. And that's when I realized, man, the compassion of God is so far greater than our logic can even understand. The compassion of God is so mighty. And so, you know, in that time frame, I was operating with the logic that I knew. I'm like, God, do something. Save me from this situation. And so then finally, you know, to make a long story short, there was so much that went on in there. So many things that went on. I got a phone call one time. My wife, they said, hey, we took her to another hospital. Uh, we think she had a, a drug reaction and her mouth was open wide like this for three weeks, for 20 days. And they're treating her because her mouth is wide open. And they said it's, it's a drug reaction that, that freezes the muscles. Long story short, when we took her to a dentist, the dentist says, she don't, she don't have that. She, her jaw's just out of place. And they put her jaw back in place and she was normal. And for 20 days, they're treating her as if she had this, uh, I was angry. I wanted to sue. Matter of fact, I called lawyers up. Why didn't y'all look at the x-ray? The x-ray didn't show this. And I was so 
furious, man. There was that's one of dozens of bad things that just happened over and over and over a course of two or three months. She went in the hospital three or four times. So she would come out, she wasn't the same. And then she I'd have to send her back and she would get worse and, and back and forth, back and forth. And and now all of a sudden I'm trying to preach that, you know, at the same time I'm losing key members of my church. Big pillars that could help help me, you know, keep the church going and, and all these things were happening. And I finally got to a place where I said, Man, I can't do it no more. And so I'm I'm crying and uh I get a phone call from Greg Henry and he's telling me something. He says, Ray. I know what I'm about to tell you may not make sense right now, but if you dwell on this, this is, this is the solution. Start to see Amy raised up to an incorruptible life. Start to see her clothed with immortality. Start to look, look to Jesus and begin to see Amy in the same likeness as Jesus. And it didn't make sense. And I'm like, how can this Help me in this scenario. I'm needing, I'm needing answers now. Okay, great. Down the road, she's going to be raised up. No, no, no. How can that help me here? And it's kind of like a few years ago, we went on a, a cruise trip. And I've never been on a cruise. How many of you have been on a cruise? That's a pretty fun time. And I've never been on a cruise, but we booked it. We paid for it. It was already paid in full. And a few months before the cruise went out, I'm looking at YouTube videos of people that have been on that ship with us. And, and I'm like, you know what? This is exciting. I can't wait to try this. And we start going, looking at the different destinations that we're going to be going to. And while I'm looking at this cruise and looking at the destination and looking at all the fun things we're going to do, joy was being birthed in my heart. And I was already excited about a cruise I hadn't even been on yet. Okay. And then I realized, man, if I were to fellowship more with the resurrection, if I were to fellowship with the cross and start to look at myself being raised up from the dead one day, you know that you can already start to experience the fruit of joy in your life now in the midst of this world that we live in. Yes. What would happen if we start to fellowship with the cross and we start looking at the resurrection as the problem, I mean, as the solution to my problems here in life? What other fruits of the spirit can begin to manifest in your heart as I start seeing myself conquering the death that's in this world? Peace, love, joy, I mean, you name it, meekness, and, and all these different things. And I realized what Greg was telling me was pointing me to the solution to what I was facing. But, but still, the carnal mind says, I need something now. I want healing now. My faith ain't working. Right? My prayers ain't working. My wife's getting worse. It's been over a month, and she's not the same person. Okay? And so all these things, man, this brought hurt because not only did it bring hurt uh, to me but my wife when she got out you think she wanted to hear a gospel message when i took her to the hospital and she wanted to jump out the car she wanted to commit suicide okay she was quoting psalm 23 on the way to the hospital and she's like man this ain't working and i remember that i mean this broke my heart but it, i could see what it did to her this was one of the most painful moments of my life and it's like, man, I felt helpless. And so all of a sudden, the message came in, okay? And I'm, I'm, I'm crying, and Greg talks to me, and he starts seeing me. And then I, that's when I realized, okay, the dominoes are starting to fall. I think I get the situation. And so I'm going to read a passage here. You could literally pull out so many passages in the New Testament that talk about this. But Romans chapter 8, it says this, For if we have been united together 
in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So here's Jesus telling his disciples, what I do now, you don't understand, but you will. And then now here comes Paul saying, look, when he goes to the cross, it's as if you're going to the cross. Because now we're joined in the likeness of his death and in the likeness of his resurrection. And so when Jesus said, hey, I have many things to tell you, but you ain't going to understand. Here comes a Pharisee who knew all the scriptures, who then the Holy Spirit comes and says, look, this is what the scriptures are all about. He then shows, oh, my God, when Jesus went to the cross, you went to the cross. So what was it about Jesus's death, burial and resurrection? How can that bring life to me? So watch this. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified. Man, that's a big piece of information right there. That the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Now, how many about you, but growing up, you were taught that sin was what? All the bad behavior you did. But now when Greg's teaching us what sin is, the logic, the wisdom, the lie of the serpent, Paul makes statements like, I was the chief of sinners. Was Paul over there partying out? He was trying to find life in his own ability. He was trying to look at the law and say, man, I'm going to keep this to the best of my ability and I'm going to try to get God's life in my own ability. And so here I am in agony. God, I need life. What must I do? So I'm trying to overcome the life in this world. And God's like, Ray, I don't want you to overcome the life in this world. I want you to die to the life that's in this world. And that's when the light bulb went off. Oh, my God, tears are coming down my face. My whole Christian life was about messages designed for me to overcome the life in the world. Use your faith. You can do it. Don't give up now. God's about to do something big in your life. Get ready. I mean, think about it. How many messages were designed to keep you holding on to the life in the world? And for the first time, God was saying, see Amy dead to this, what she's going through. Because I thought that if she could get healed, then the joy would come. I thought if she could experience the freedom now, all of a sudden, and God's saying, once you see her dead to the sin of this world, you can experience freedom in the midst of this tribulation. Yeah. Man, that's, those are big moments right there. Okay, so verse 6, knowing that our old man was crucified. The old man was the man that death was reigning over. And so even though we're new creations and even though we're believers, our logic can still operate according to the old man. And my understanding hasn't quite caught up yet, but thank God for the Holy Spirit who's going to lead us, who's going to guide us, who's going to walk us into all truth and get us to the place that we need to get to. In verse 7, For he who has died has been freed from this logic. So what was sin? Sin is a belief system. It's the lie of the serpent. It's the belief system. It's what caused Adam to come with wrong conclusions about who God was. And so in that moment, it's like, God, where are you? How come you haven't come and changed our scenario? We're pastors. Like, right, we get special privileges. Right? And then so all these things are going through my head. 
And so sin is the belief that says, God has abandoned me and I must now close myself with life. And so because I don't see anything happening, what must I now do? And so you could say I was operating under sin because I'm wanting to do something in my own ability to change my circumstance. Okay? And that's powerful right there. So this belief system will cause your heart to be filled with fear and then it'll force you to trust in your own strength for life. That's what this system does, sin. And so when God says, I've come to save you from sin, I've come to save you from a life where you use your own ability to try to find it. Yeah. I've come to save you from that. Wait a minute, I thought you came to save me from all the bad things I did. <laughs> I came to save you from you trying to trust in your own ability. Oh my God, it makes so much more sense, right? I mean, that's the gospel. What was it that Jesus died on the cross? If you're the son of God, come down. What did he do? He resisted the temptation to use his own strength for life. He says, I'm going to trust in my father. And so now the gospel message is, is, is flooding my heart. It's flooding my life. Meanwhile, my wife's in the hospital. But all of a sudden, joy is coming in because now I'm like, I'm going to see her raised up to an incorruptible life. This world cannot speak a truth about who she is. It lost its voice. So now all of a sudden, this belief system is what brought sickness and death into the world. And when I realized that, I said, man, Jesus on the cross became my wife's sickness. And I saw the end of it. When Jesus died, Amy's sickness died. Okay? That's a pretty powerful truth there because it hasn't happened yet. But you know what? It's, the cross is declaring something. It's still declaring something today that, you know what? I can look to it on a daily basis. Paul said these words, I die what? Daily. What was it that Paul dies daily from? A life of trying to find life in his own ability. Every day he, he fellowships with the cross to the realize, you know what? My life source is the resurrection. The resurrection is what's going to give me life today. So should I encounter a time where the temptation says I must close myself, I'm going to be reminded my life only comes from my father. Man, so these are some deep moments right here. And so death is a result of sin. Death comes and it speaks to your heart. Death is more than just being dead into the grave. Death comes and it speaks to you that you lack. When Jesus was in the garden, death came and spoke to him. Okay, so here I am crying. Death comes and speaks to me. Where's your God now? But then I remember Jesus. Right? See, this story is about Jesus, man overcoming something on my behalf, okay? And so it convinces you that you lack, and death came and spoke to Jesus in the garden, and so much that he sweated great drops of blood. And so death can bring pain, it can bring agony, but notice that Jesus spent some time with God and he, he got his strength at looking to what was gonna happen, okay? So that's when I realized that Amy was experiencing the fruit of death. The sting of death is sin, and that means that the sting of death is being in bondage to walking after the flesh for life. That's what that means. So now here, here we are experiencing this, this horrible moment. And I'm trying to find a solution outside of the resurrection of Jesus. Because to me, that's still a futuristic. But all of a sudden, I start to see the truth. Okay. The forgiveness of sins, verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. 
knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. That's powerful. All this was happening in my life. I realized that, man, when I saw Amy dead to the sin in this world, then that means that death is no longer dominion over her. And so my heart is starting to be liberated from this fear and from this what's going to happen to my wife. But how many know it's not happening in her heart just yet? Because now she's angry. She's feeling pain. And so the forgiveness of sins is God setting us free from that union to death. Okay, Forgiveness is God divorcing us, our union to sin, by dying away our death. It means to set the captives free. Jesus came to crucify the lie that you can find life in this world. Because this world can offer me nothing. Forgiveness is God setting Amy free from a life where she looks to what's happening to her as the report about her life. So when I saw that, it set me free. In verse 10, for death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also. This is a powerful verse right here. This is what Greg was telling me. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Imagine yourself, you could say that way, dead to sin and start to see yourself alive, fully clothed, immortal, in human flesh, conquering the grave. And all of a sudden that truth will start to come and minister to your heart even in, in tribulation. Because you know what? The only report about my life that is true is found in Jesus conquering death. That's the report about my life that I'm to dwell upon, that I'm to look upon, where the Holy Spirit then comes in, ministers to my heart, and says, Ray, this is the truth about your life. The world can offer you nothing. Do not eat its fruit. For the end result of that is only death. It can only offer death. But I am the life giver. And in the midst of tribulation, I can offer life. Man, so here's, here's how the story goes. The resurrection is our hope. It's the promise of an incorruptible life. It's when this mortal body is closed with immortality. The resurrection is where death ceases to exist and God's life swallows up death. What Amy was experiencing could no longer speak a word about her life. It lost its voice. And so now all of a sudden, the gospel is not something you believe once. It's something you believe every day. It's not a one-time deal where, oh, yeah, I got saved back in 1985, now I'm going my way to heaven. Okay? Because there's so many layers to the gospel that realize the gospel is about me overcoming the life in this world. The gospel is about me conquering the sin and death that's in this world and looking to the resurrection as the source for my life. Okay? So my whole Christian life, once again, was me trying to overcome the life in this world instead of me dying to the life that's in this world. So now my wife gets out of the hospital. And uh, she, when we launched our church, uh, the church didn't have the finances that it could support me just yet. So my, we were living off my wife's income. So when she got out of the hospital, she couldn't go back to work. And it, her, her mind was ill. And when she finally uh, came out for good, she was a shell of herself. She was, I, I had a basket full of medications. 
I'm not even exaggerating when I say there was 40 different medications that we had tried and this and that. And, and remember, over the course of several months, she had been in and out of the hospital. We couldn't get her stable. And so what happens was her anxiety just skyrocketed. She couldn't even go to the grocery store. And she couldn't, and she, she took some FMLA leave from work. And at the end of that, uh, we couldn't go back. And so here I am trying to take care of my wife and run this church that I start to see decline. But because what's going on in my heart, I'm not letting that give me the report about my life. I'm letting God be the report about my life. But, but her is different. With her, she was angry. Okay, with her, it took time and it got to the place where one of the most hardest things to do was I got to go back to work. We are in debt and uh, the church is not offering me any money right now. I, I don't there's not enough money for me to make and my wife can't go back to work. She needs to she needs time to rest. She needs time to be healed. And so I had to make a tough decision and, and call my church members up and say, look, guys, this is where I'm at and and at uh, Grace Life Church and uh, I had to pull the plug. I had to say, look, I, I gotta go take care of my family. I gotta go take care of my bride because to me, my bride was more valuable than those even people that I cared about. And so I chose my wife. And so I pulled the plug and, and we, we stopped the church and I needed a month just to unhook from everything. And I actually came, came up here and I heard Greg and, and Bertie preach. And, and uh, that's when I realized I'm going to take a season of just sitting at the feet of Jesus and just grow and learn. And now I came to a place where I have to trust that God was going to work on her. Because here I am feeding. Here I am hearing messages about life. But man, she's been wounded. How I many you know when, when you go through something like this, when you come out of it, shame can touch your heart? Because when she was in the, that mental state, a lot, 90% of it, she don't remember. She don't know what she did. She don't know what she said. And, and now all of a sudden it's like, what are people going to think about me? What are they going to say about me? Okay. What, the guilt and the shame that can come on that. And I didn't want that from her. And so here I am trying to clothe her. I'm trying to protect my wife by us not, let's keep this quiet. Let's not let nobody know. We just let a few people know our church family. But it's one of those deals where it's like, what if she gets sick? How do I hide her? Because I don't, I'm trying to protect her from all the shame that she has the potential to experience. And man, that's, that's, a, that's a burden that, that uh, remember, if it's me, I don't care. But when it's somebody you genuinely love and care, it changes how you approach things. And so it, it got to a place where it's like, she wanted to have kids, but she was on so many medications. She couldn't do it. They said, can't do it. Can't, can't have kids. And so she's mad now because this happened to us. We lost our church, and now she can't have kids. And the, the kids was the biggest one of them all. She wanted to have kids. And so I'm just trusting in God. And now I got hired at the post office, and I'm working. And, you know, and at the beginning, it was rough because I had been in ministry for over 10 years preaching every week, doing ministry stuff. And now I'm out there hundred degrees sweating. Man, I hadn't, you know, it's funny that I hadn't cussed in years, but. 
24 hours back at the post office. It's like it all just came back, man. <laughs> I didn't skip a beat. <laughs> okay, so it's like a lot of things. It's like, God, why am I here? I'm supposed to be preaching, right? I'm supposed to be teaching. I'm supposed to be doing all these things. And uh, man, those were some ministry times. And then I, I got to a place where then contentment came in my heart. And then what came in my heart was God saying, I got Amy. I'm working on Amy right now. Give me time. You just keep feeding. And that's what started to happen. And it took about three years. But slowly, my wife started to get off certain meds. We teamed up with a, a doctor, a, a holistic doctor that took more of a natural approach. And we slowly started to remove some of these things. And then all of a sudden, Amy... Um, would ask me a question, so what did Greg talk about, or, or something like that, and these conversations started to take place. And I knew that these were just small nuggets, but I knew these seeds would begin to, to grow. And long story short, we got off all meds in about three years, in a few years, and we tried for a baby. Okay, so here's where it gets really, oh wow, that's awesome, right? <laughs> So my wife gets pregnant, and we're awesome, man. We're, this, this is such good news. And we're like, here we go. But at the back of my mind, it's still like, what if she were to get sick, right? So she has an amazing journey. Months, you know, three months, four months, five months. She's doing great, the best I've ever seen her. And then the last month, my wife gets sick while she's pregnant. And all of a sudden, here we go again. But this go around. I've got the peace of God guarding my heart. And I'm not, I'm, yes, in those moments, it's chaotic, but I had the strength to get through them. So long story short, my wife got manic while she's pregnant, and she gave birth while she was manic. And we had a special nurse designed to our room. <laughs> yeah, and there was... Uh, it was that experience, but what, what was kind of sad was my wife doesn't remember those first three or four months very clearly. There's just images here because when she got out, the postpartum kicked in as well, and we could not get her balanced. And she went in and out of the hospital about four times in about three months. And, and guess who's at home with, with the baby? My, my mom's taking care of her, but Amy's inside of a mental hospital Where's my daughter? I just want to be with my daughter, but she's sick. They don't let kids in the places like that. So what do you think the agony for her is? I mean, it's like all these things is just, let me get some water. The, the pressure is just mounting up. And so long story short, she finally comes out and it takes about a year for her to finally come out to a place to ask me questions again. And so now she's living life. We start a new diet, and the diet's going very well. And uh, we came to a place to say, you know what? We're going to trust God in this, but we're also going to have some help along the way. Okay, so she's on a couple of meds, uh, two meds right now, along with eating healthy and stuff so that she can be a good mother to Macy. And so about a year into it, uh, Macy's growing up. You could tell Amy's just full of life now. She has her daughter, and man, we're starting our family. And so, even in our darkest times, 
the fruit of life was born. And our, and our daughter, our daughter came, came forth. But here's where it gets real, real interesting. Is, uh, as our daughter is getting older, we're like, you know what? We, we need to get her involved in church. And we want her to experience that experience. So we, we, I look for a church. And I know it ain't going to be what, I, what I'm wanting. But if I can find a place that you know, has some worship and, and the pastor's heart is genuine, I think I can sit through. And I'll, I'll still listen to Greg, right? But... Uh, but I hadn't been to church in five and a half years. That's how long some time went by. And so we, we get dressed up on a Sunday, and it had, it had been a long time. And I'm sitting, we, we find this church that I think is, is, is a pretty good place. And during the worship service, I hadn't felt this in five and a half years, man. God just said, man, hello, how's it going? In, in a different light. And man, tears are coming down my face. And I'm just like, oh my God, man, I hadn't felt this kind of presence in a very long time and they had some associate pastors preaching that day and I don't know what he was saying but I know what the Spirit of God was telling me you know in these last five and a half years I was just in a season of feeding of growing and and we left that day and man we both liked it I was like I think this is a place we can get involved in and we'll take our time we'll sit in the back we won't get we won't get involved and the very next Sunday we come back and it's not the same experience there's nothing wrong with the church at all but it's God saying, it's time. You've, 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 been, you've been studying, you've been learning, you've been growing. And we left that day. I didn't say nothing to Amy. It was a quiet ride home. And about 10 minutes into the ride, she says out of the blue, we're going to have to launch our own church again. <laughs> and that's when I knew her heart had come to a place where she was now open for us to start talking. So I said, hey, let's start doing the Wednesday night Bible studies with Greg. And let's start walking through some of these messages. And she was open. And all of a sudden now I could preach to her. Because I hadn't had anyone to preach to or teach to. <laughs> My sister would come into town. I'd preach to her because we could talk <laughs> scriptures for hours. And so now you could see the time it took. These things take time. And so you ever come across anybody that's going through, through mental health issues. Listen, man. Don't, if, if somebody has ever come up here and said, oh, it's not that big of a deal. They don't know what they're talking about. Because mental health doesn't just affect that person. It affects the people that have to care for those people. And we got to a place where we said, you know what? There is nothing to hide from. There is no more shame. We are going to let our story be told. And we're going to trust that our story can help other people's story. But the focus of the story is still Jesus conquering the death that we were experiencing and being raised from the dead. And so that's our story. And even in that we have another baby coming. And so come early May, late April, we're going to have a baby boy this time. So we're excited about that. And so I want to leave you with the passage that, that also ministered to me. It's in Colossians chapter 3. And this is out of the faith translation, the translation that John Fazio wrote. And he just has a way of, of bringing some stuff out. And so in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, it says this, If you, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek, meditate, and reason on those things which are above. So that's what was happening to me. I was seeking those things which are above in heaven where Christ sits in a glorified human body at the right hand of God. So that's where it starts. I'm going to start. And so I would see Amy. 
sitting at the right hand of God in a glorified human body. And you know what? There's no more sickness in that, in that body. And so what's happening to me is, is peace is starting to flood my heart. Verse 2, set your mind and affection on the incorruptible things in heaven above and not the corruptible things on the earth. So as I'm looking at her in this world, I'm seeing all the corruptible things lose its voice. Yeah. Remember that movie, The Matrix? Uh, hopefully everyone's seen it. But when they tell Neo he's the one and he tells the guy, so you're saying I'm going to be able to dodge bullets? And he says, no, Neo. Once you realize you're the one, you won't have to dodge any bullets. And there was a scene where all these bullets are coming at him and he just looks at them and they just fall down. And I said, you know what? All these accusations that came our way from the enemy, instead of us having to dodge those, I can just look at him and say, you know what? These things died in the body of Jesus. Yep. And what you're saying about us doesn't have a voice anymore. We may still endure tribulation, but what did Jesus say? Be of good cheer, I've what? Overcome the world, man. So it doesn't mean that you're exempt from going through stuff, but you are in a place now where you can go through those things and still find hope in the darkness. And so God will, will get you through those situations. He'll lead you into all truth. He'll guide you. Verse 3, because you are dead to the corruptible life in the world, and your life is hidden, incorruptible with Christ in God, undefiled and where it never fades away. Man, that's powerful right there. Undefiled. So what God did for Amy was eternal. And so now you can look at your loved one or your spouse or whatever it is you're facing and you can start to see them raised up and it can bring joy in your life. And then you start seeing yourself raised up. Because this all happened when I'm looking at my wife and then God says, I did the same thing for you. So there's no shame in me losing my church. That's a pretty hard thing to let go, man. You put so much energy and effort to launching something and it's, you feel like it's gone. Verse 4, Therefore, when Christ is revealed in he from heaven with the life and inheritance which he has reserved for you, then you will also appear with him, the sons of God, in the same life and glory and immortality. Amen. When Jesus returns, the same resurrection power that he experienced, the same glory that he was clothed with, I tell you what, the more we fellowship with the cross, the more the fruit of the Spirit can start to dwell in our hearts, that we can experience that power. No wonder Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1 that he ceases not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your heart may be what? Enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of your calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, his set apart ones. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power, which he bought abroad in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Paul's saying, man, when you get a hold of what God did in Christ, that power can come dwell in your heart. And I'll tell you what, man, <laughs> I'm going to close with this. When we now understand what sin is, the wisdom, and God says, I will remember your sin no more. 
all the pain and suffering that you experienced on account of sin, God's life swallows it up. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed that, that even the remembrance of everything that I went through, when I'm clothed with immortality and the glory that comes from on high, all of that is swallowed up in the life of God. God's life is so powerful, it consumes all the dead areas in your life, that even the remembrance is consumed. Now, what kind of boldness does that give you to live this life now? This world can steal nothing from you. It's got nothing to offer you because God's life, there is no lack. Eternal life doesn't lack anything. And that's the message. This life is so powerful that that is the source of my life. I'm going to live by the faith of the Son of God. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this awesome time. Thank you for allowing me to share this message about the resurrection, about Jesus overcoming the grave. And Father, I just thank you for every individual in this place, no matter what it is they are going through, what they're facing, Lord, that you are revealing to them the resurrection, the death, the burial, that they can look at the life that they're trying to build in their own ability and see that life has been crucified in Jesus and that the life that they have has been, it can be found in Jesus being raised from the dead seated at the right hand and that resurrection power comes to dwell in our hearts that no matter where they're at in their journey lord that you take them by the hand and get them to the place where they can truly see all the layers of what the cross is about and father we just give you all the honor all the glory in jesus mighty name and everybody said amen Amen. thank y'all for allowing me to be here today Thanks, brother. Yeah. Hallelujah. Man, um, wasn't that awesome? Man, I laughed. I cried. I felt uh, intimacy with Ray and Amy and Macy and all you guys. Um, but Christ in, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It isn't just Christ in you, one day there'll be some glory. That, that, that word hope means certainty. And it's like Christ gives us a certainty of experiencing the life of God always now, like today. You have a certainty you will experience the life of God. And it's coming to that revelation as we walk in this earth. Because so many times the world's trying to tell you, you don't have a certainty you're going to have life. Look at what's going on. If you fix it, then you can have a certainty you're going to have life. And it's like, no, the revelation that in Christ there is a certainty that I will be served with life in the here and now and forevermore. So glory to God, man. Thank you guys so much for, for sharing your life with us and sharing your hearts with us. Ray didn't come here expecting an offering or expecting us to give anything to these guys, but they paid for their own trip here. He doesn't know I was going to do this, so I'm sorry if I embarrass you guys. But, man, I just want to give everybody an opportunity to uh, to bless these guys. If you feel in your heart you want to make a, a, a donation, and maybe we can pull together and, and pay for their trip. But only if you feel in your heart. We feel in our heart, um, Becky and I, one of the things we we desire to do isn't just to preach the message, but to support people that want to preach the message. So it's our heart to to support these guys, and we're just going to give you guys the opportunity to join in with us if you feel you want to. The baskets are around the room if you feel you want to make a donation. Just make it out to the, the church, Gospel Revolution Church, 
um, and just put Ray and Amy or Ray or Amy either in the memo and we'll know to get it to them. If you want to do it online, just put in the memo, Ray or Amy. Um, if you're watching online, you could do it at gospelrevolutionchurch.com. Um, or if you're on YouTube, you can just follow that link. Thank you guys so much for coming. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you guys for coming and being here with us. It was awesome. We love you guys. And if anybody wants prayer um, or wants to, Ray or Amy, to minister to you guys, man, they'll be up here. Um, you can just come up and talk to them. Glory to God. Thank you.